Welcome to Wobblies and the Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And today, I'm joined by my guest, Mark, the creator of Misadventure Games. Welcome. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. Good. Good to hear that. Now, you have something going on Kickstarter right now called Misadventure Games, correct? I do. I do. It's sort of a uh, culmination of many, many years of playing since uh, and DMing since the early 80s, since I got the first AD&D uh, hardback books. You know, I, for years, I just kept notes of things that worked, things that didn't, things I liked, things I didn't like. Finally, I uh, had a chance to uh, sort of write my own set of rules and uh, use them, and they were fun, and it was a good time. So I decided to kind of put them together and, and release them. So I'm curious to know about some of those rules that you're putting out here. What can you tell us about them? A lot of them are familiar, I think, to people. I mean, it, it's definitely BX. I do have a series of OSE third-party games that I write. And so I think that people that you know like that sort of challenge and that sort of feel will, uh, will dig them. The two sections I'm most proud of, I mean, are the magic section. And I call them adversaries uh, instead of like a bestiary. It's it's like yeah. the adversary section. The magic section is unique in that the rule set, the core rule book that we're putting out uh, has all the rules in it for you to create your own spells and stuff. And so it sort of puts the mystery back into magic. You know, you're not going to run into a first level, you know, magic user and know they're going to have magic missile, you know, or whatever you know whatever it is because they could have fireball you know <laughs> albeit at at a lower power you know each each magic each spell has three levels it can go through huh. and and it does a certain amount of day you know d6 damage at one you know level then it increases the range increases and then the you know the effects increase so it's sort of uh, a little like DCC, I think, you know, in that regard, you've got a little bit of randomness there. So like in the fantasy book that we're co-releasing with it, it has six different types of magic and stuff. So you've got like men of the cloth, which are clerics, uh, you know, you've got a wizard, you've got a necromancer, you've got an illusionist. And then you've got a sorcerer or sorceress, you know, person, and then a druid. And each of those has a type of magic associated with it. It kind of gives you a guide of here's this type of spells you can create for your character, you know, and then gives it examples of, of those spells. So you never really know what you're running into, which is nice, you know, like you run into the bad guy sorcerer you got no clue what they're going to throw at you or what what kind of magic they are and then i think that makes it interesting you know to me it's 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 less it's less rigid a little bit more creative players and people can kind of make whatever they want with it each character has a choice of three like foci so like when you make your character you've got your standard you know strength dexterity you know Yes. I made sure that it would be compatible with, you know, BX and OSE kind of setting. Then each character can be rounded out by its like foci. So the fantasy book gives you like a whole bunch of different ones that you can sort of say, okay, my setting needs a ranger. You might give that one epic attack. You can pick three different foci that they can choose from. Yes. I like it because it gives a lot of options and a lot of building blocks. 
So you, you've done other OSE adventures as well? I have, yeah. I have a whole series uh, called The Domain of uh, Miru based off of Ukrainian folklore. I don't know, they're all silver sellers, I think, on drive-thru or close to it. We're, we've released uh, three of those at this point. And that was the domain of what? How did you spell that? Miru, uh, M-E-R-U. That's the uh, mythical land of where the Slavic people in Ukraine think that they're from. When I moved here, I, I discovered, um, you know, a lot of things. I mean, <laughs> you, you're in an interesting situation and, and you're not in the Ukraine right now. Where are you currently? I am currently in Brasov, uh, the home of uh, Dracula is where I currently am living. Yeah, for probably the next, I don't know, year or so, I'll probably live here. Previously, you were in the Ukraine before things got I, I a was. little weird. <laughs> no, I was. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I moved there and was in Kursan for a while. And then I moved to Lviv for um, about a year. Uh, then we had just bought a uh, a house in um, Cherkasy, and so I was living there when the war broke out. Um, and my mother-in-law had to leave her son. Obviously, it got overran early in the you know in the in the war, um, and so we uh, we decided to help get her out. Um, you know, and um, then uh, we ended up here. When like I said, when I moved to Ukraine, um, you know, I moved there to you know start writing full time and get out of the hectic uh, life I was living. And so I, I discovered rather quickly that you know if you really delved into the folklore of the region, you know, had it been translated, you found that there was a lot of differences from like what you might get in the U.S. You know, I mean, and so and then especially like pre-Christian kind of folklore you know once once christianity sort of took hold it it definitely changed you know certain certain people became yeah. bad and you know just you know because they needed to have a, a bad guy and certain things were you know change you know changed up and so i found it interesting so my my wife would would read we would have reading time every night essentially <laughs> nice. and she would read from these you know um untranslated folklore books to me and I would take notes and stuff and uh then I I met uh, a gentleman that was uh, a professor at one of the schools in Lviv and so we would meet for coffee and he would tell me all the stories and folklore and stuff of the area and uh once again took notes and so I created that series as sort of an homage to kind of unfiltered look at those things. Over the last few years, it definitely has influenced my writing and, and my thinking. And it's been interesting. There's a lot more to Baba Yaga. In the original, like said, pre-Christian, she didn't really eat children. She was different. I'm curious to know a little bit more about Baba Yaga before before Christianity, because that's one thing we've been doing. Baba Yaga. <laughs> uh, so Baba Yaga and, and, and a lot of the tales that you find uh, in this area, you know, are either different, you know, from what you read in typical, you know, American, you know, translations. Mainly I found that, you know, like a lot of things, you know, it's a it's a conglomeration of a lot of different stories. And so, you know, the the version that we we get in America is, you know, kind of a mixture of Polish and Romanian and Ukraine and uh, you know, the whole kind of Slavic area. Yeah. Instead of just necessarily like one country's version of it. So what I tried to do with all of the stories in, in Domain of Mero was was kind of go back mainly to their Ukrainian roots and use just that. 
Um, so like in Ukraine, Baba Yaga, she's a facilitator, more mm-hmm. or less. You know, okay. she is she bad on one hand? Yes, she can be, but she also is one of these characters that kind of challenges the hero. She doesn't make it impossible for the hero to not succeed. If the hero, you know, or character fails, then they fail. If they are successful, then she rewards them with some great, you know, with something good. So in a lot of the original tales, like, you know, like a girl or a a kid will be given up. There's several versions of the story. So like the father will have a daughter, then he'll remarry, and then he'll have a stepdaughter. And then his new wife doesn't like the other daughter and says, you know, get rid of her. So he, instead of killing her, will drop her off in the woods. And in those versions of the story, the daughter will go and be picked up by Baba Yaga. And then she will do good. You know, she'll clean the house. She'll clean the stalls. She'll, you know, she'll do all Mm -hmm. of this stuff. And then Baba Yaga rewards her and puts her, you know, gives her a prince and gives her money and, you know, and stuff. And then the bad daughter will be, the mom will be like, well, if that one can do it, my daughter can do it. But of course the other daughter's lazy and, you know, just thinks she deserves everything, gets sent to Baba Yaga, doesn't do the cleaning, doesn't clean the stalls. And so she gets eaten. <laughs> she seems more like a, like, like, like a fairy godmother type character than we've exactly. seen. Exactly. Right. And then for heroes, it kind of works the same way that, you know, heroes will go to her and they got to prove themselves. You know, they got to prove themselves humble. They got to prove themselves heroic. If they don't, she kills them. If they do, then she gives them what they need to succeed in rescuing, you know, their, you know, their princess or their, their lands or their kingdom or get re- what the sword that they need to get revenge that'll kill the bad guy. You know, everything needs to be earned, you know, not is more of the point of the stories. It's not like she just runs around the forest and just eats babies you know, or, <laughs> eats or whatever, you know, she's more of a teacher and a facilitator. Uh, you know, and then in those tales, you know, she has a, has a sister, Baba Yoga, who does kidnap kid, goes around the country and kidnaps kids, but she kidnaps them because she sees that they're special. And then she trains them to be like, you know, demon hunters, you know, fight evil. And she's completely lost on, you know, American, you know, law, you know, you never hear someone say, Oh, you know, let's write an adventure about, you know, Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga, you know? Baba Yaga training us to fight yeah. evil. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know? I got two quick questions here. Yeah. One, what um if I want to look at and run that Baba Yaga in my campaign, which of which of the year, because you've got a couple, this is weird, uh, of the domain of Meru. Which one of right. those would so, I want to pick up and look at? The fourth one that is not released yet, actually. So it is, yeah, I was just finishing up before the war started. And um, actually, I just got the final, uh, the the artist is the young lady from Ukraine. She just actually got in a good place and, and, and safe a few months ago. And so she just actually finished up the art about a month ago. So um after i finish with misadventure games i'm actually going to that's going to be my next project is is to finish that up excellent uh the whole series is sort of unique in that it's it's written as a travel guide like um i got the idea while i was i was booking a trip to turkey actually (laughs) um, so the whole thing is written from like uh 
the viewpoint of like somebody trying to sell you a trip to these areas. And so like the first book, the Tripoli, Tripalia, you know, it's like an introductory to the main islands. And, and it, 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 it's sort of, it's like, you know, Hey, come here and help us fight evil, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and stuff. And so it's written from that viewpoint. Second uh, is focuses on um, the first book sort of sets it up. Uh, the second book, uh, is um, set on um, an, uh, another island and it sort of uh, um, follows, it's almost like a Las Vegas kind of setting. <laughs> um, you know, there's a group of people there that that are very diverse. You know, I liked it because it was a way for me to get some diversity in there. Mm-hmm. Then the third book is Rosdalia. And it is um, based around werewolf characters um, and, and going back to the, and it, it has how you can become a werewolf, how you can be a werewolf as a player character, how you, you know, I've adapted all the OSE rules so that, you know, you, as you level up, you get stronger and stronger. And that's a difference too in their legend of werewolves and ours. I mean, like in theirs, a wolf wasn't even the, the top form you could turn into a werewolf. You could turn into a, a like a, a cat, like a hunting cat. Yeah. And then the, the most um, the most epic or the most sought after transformation was actually a bear. Ah, and, um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like bears. <laughs> to be a werewolf or be aware one of these were people was more about being good than it was like only warriors that were were proud and strong and 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 at the peak of their you know um capabilities could reach this transformation so it wasn't being bad you know or, yeah. or it wasn't a cur- you, you know not the, a curse the, well there is a curse, is a curse. version <laughs> there is a curse version of it uh, but it, it it's where you actually can't transform and you were turned into one of those creatures and you kept your human mind. Ah, And then, you know, there's other stuff in there. I mean, there's, according to their legends, the Slavic people aren't even from earth, it, it, which is interesting in itself that they had a concept of other worlds, you know, yeah. and other dimensions and stuff. They true. actually were from, from Miru was actually another world. Oh, really? They, were, they, it was in its destruction they fled to earth and then slowly made their way to where Ukraine and Poland and Romania, you know, that area is now. We're coming up on time. Uh, could yeah. you let the listeners know where they can find you online, where they can pick up your, pick up your books and where they can, where they can back misadventure games. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, the Kickstarter is obviously under misadventure games. And um, then my, um, We'll have a no, link I'll... in the we'll have a link in the show notes to the Kickstarter. And if okay, you great. send me other links, I will make try to make sure that those get in the show notes too as well. Uh, yeah, I think I I mean the other thing I would mention is that we do have some great um stretch goal writers, which we're at this point when we're talking, we're about to hit the first one. Um Bob Brinkman of uh DCC fame is uh the first Kickstarter. Uh he's he's a really good friend of mine. Uh, then John T of uh, Untold uh, Tales um, is the second Kickstarter uh, stretch goal. Um, the third um, is uh, Patrick. Uh, I'm gonna butcher his last name. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I could not, I could not. 
Uh, and he's a young kid that lives in Uganda, uh, who uh, I've been writing with and, and mentoring for about two years now. So I'm excited to get him on something. And then the, the fantasy book actually has a, um, a point crawl uh, inspired by the uh, Romanian and uh, Ukraine uh, Carpathian Mountains uh, in it. Uh, as well. So it, it does have more than just, you know, just rules. I mean, you know, there's actually, you know, a, a little mini point crawl in there uh, as well that you can use. Uh, the other stuff is under, um, uh, if you go to drive through RPG, uh, it's under This is the Weird uh, is my, the company's name. You can either find it that way or under Domain of Miru, uh, M-E-R-U, uh, or my name, Mark Braden. Uh, and you can see some of the other stuff I've, I've written uh, with um, AAW games and uh, some other people. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been good talking to you. You as well. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wildlies and Wizards. Wildliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Crom. We're on Patreon. We can really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wildliesandwizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.